Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, Chris Sims, Mike Florio. You know, we made it clear yesterday to anyone who was curious about our upcoming hiatus, something that we do every year beginning in late June as the NFL news cycle hits its low watermark, which is pretty much here. Hello. We've got enough to get us through to the end of the week, and then we take a break. Well, normally it's about four weeks. This year, because of the Olympics, it's a little bit longer. And people are upset. Well, I'm sorry that the Olympics are this year. What 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 are we supposed to do about it? Cancel I, the Olympics? I I know. I know. So, it already got canceled last year. So they were, we're already trying to yeah. make up time here at NBC for the Olympics. So yeah, I know. And then last year we had it we had our break cut off like a little short, right? Because of the cancellation of the Olympics. Am I wrong to think we might have came back a, a week early or am I off on that? It sounds right, and since it makes us look better, I'll go ahead and agree with you. Okay, yes, sounds good. <laughs> I don't think we took a break at all last year, frankly, now that I think about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, now that I think about it, we grinded right through, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I think 12-hour shows uh, to help fill the void created by the cancellation or at least postponement by one year of the Olympics. But the Olympics start July 23. We'll be back right after they end August 9. Whoa. There's plenty of stuff that we will be covering at pft we'll be doing videos that's the one thing i did last year when we were off i just you know especially now that it's so easy to pop open a laptop anywhere you are and record video i'll do daily videos about whatever may be going on in the nfl and there will still be things happening so the sport will still be covered we just won't have the structure of this show two hours every morning i can sleep a little bit longer but uh we will still find a way to keep everyone up to speed on on the entire workings of the National Football League. No doubt okay. about it. The big, there, are, there are two big stories today. One popped yesterday, mid to late morning, and then the other one came out of the blue. The, the first one we expected, we're going to get to that, and we're going to put a pin in that one. The second one came out of the blue. Seven years after, Michael Sam 
announced that he's gay before the 2014 draft. Ultimately, it was a seventh-round pick of the Rams. Ultimately cut by the Rams. Signed by the Cowboys on the practice squad. Never made it to an active roster. Thought about going to Canada. I think did go to the CFL for a little bit. Yeah, decided a little that bit. wasn't for him. Right. So, and, and, and you know what? I, 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 whatever the case may be. And in the final analysis, the thinking was he just wasn't good enough, even though he was the, I think, SEC Defensive Player of the Year in yeah, 2013. Right. Missouri, yep. We now have an active player who's been in the league for multiple years and who is clearly good enough to stay on the Raiders roster. Carl Nassib came out yesterday. Here's the video that he posted on social media. What's up, people? I'm Carl Nassib. I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. Um, I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Um, but until then, you know, I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. And I'm going to start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. They're an incredible organization. They're the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America. And they're truly doing incredible things. And I'm very excited to be a part of it to help in any way that I can. And I'm really pumped to see what the future holds. Uh, that's all I have for you guys. I hope you have a great day. Work hard. And he mentioned the Trevor Project, a very worthwhile endeavor for anyone to support. We'll make sure that the information is available at PFT for anybody who would like to help out. It's the thetrevorproject.org. But again, I'll be posting something later today with all the relevant information for anyone who would like to, to help that out. And, and hey, look, it, I've got mixed emotions about this because of something that he said. Okay. I wish we already were at the point where it's no big deal because in the rest of society, for the most part, right. it is it's no big not. deal. I remember when I was growing up and you would hear stories about people who were gay and were thinking about coming out to their family. And it was like the worst thing you could do because you just expected that one or more of your immediate family members were going to reject you. We're not going to accept you. We're going to judge you. We're going to try to change you in some way. They were going to think it was something that was negative. So it was this horribly traumatic experience that anyone who was thinking about informing their family members of dreaded. Yeah. And that's changed over the past 50 years. Definitely. And it feels like it's been almost exponential the last decade or so. I think once the nation got over its hang-up on gay marriage. Right. I think we got a lot closer to the point where it's no big deal. I, I long for the day that people can just be who they are, and it's not a big deal if someone's gay or trans or whatever. Right. You just are who you are. Exactly. And we all accept each other for who we are, and we live our lives. And, it does, and I think part of it is getting older. When you have less life to live, you realize all the crap that people worry about and yeah. like look at other people and say, you're different, right. so you scare me, Why worry you can influence it? my kids or whatever. Why worry about it? Let yeah. people live their lives. Right. And I hope we get to that point. It's, and it needed, we needed one, and it's good that we got one. I, I just 
hope that we quickly get to the point where it's not a story and it's not an issue. Yeah, hopefully, like, this is, like, uh, kind of mirror society, like you're saying, because we've seen, like, the evolution of it a little bit to your right, to, like, where your era, it was like, whoa, this is really crazy. I'm, not, I'm afraid to come out and do that. My era... You know, it was a little more advanced. Maybe maybe guys, girls that were lesbian or gay came out at the end of high school or college, right, felt comfortable in that time period. Now we're in a time period where, hey, you know, my, my eighth-grade daughter, she's got friends that are gay. That's just the way the life is. But it's not the way life is in the NFL world, and that's where it's really brave on Carl Nassib and awesome that he did this because, like, we know this is the last of the industries in the world – that has really, I don't know, I don't want to say it's accepting of the gay community and things like that, but it's not necessarily like open arms to the gay community, like, hey, come into our workplace. This is an awesome place for the gay community. That's where the NFL is a little different. You know, everybody realizes that there might be that person in the locker room or in the NFL organization, but no one ever knew. It was kind of kept quiet. Carl Nassib, a lot of credit, like really courageous, the fact that he's coming out and doing this uh, because it's not going to be accepted by everybody in an NFL locker room. Most, a lot better than like you're saying a long time ago, but still not going to be completely fully understood or accepted quite yet in, in the football industry. And I think when people witnessed what happened with Michael Sam, yeah, I, I think that the reaction by anyone on a team – coaching staff, front office, who was even contemplating the possibility of joining Michael Sam and being openly gay. I think the reaction was, you know what, this isn't the place for it. Right. This isn't the place for it. Right. It creates, wait for it, Chris, it creates a distraction. Uh-oh. Th that needs to end. Yeah. That needs to end. And for a variety of reasons. First of all, there should be no basis for it being a distraction. When Michael Sam came out, there was some over-the-top ridiculous reporting from ESPN about shower habits and I think an apology eventually was issued in that regard and rightfully so yeah I and remember. it's good and it's fine I give him credit I give him credit for realizing that they shouldn't have done it but it helps create the distraction and I I'm never one to say what questions reporters should and shouldn't ask because look you, you can ask whatever questions you want if it's a bad question you open yourself up to ridicule but I think in this context there's no reason to ask any questions about it. Of Carl Nassib, of anyone in the locker room, there's really no reason to do it. You surely have something football-related. Because the mere asking of the question helps create the distraction that some coaches who just don't want an openly gay player in their locker room will hide behind and say, I don't want the distraction. That, that's the problem. Because No, you're right. And, and this, look, sh shocker, shocker. The NFL locker room is about 50 years behind the rest of society. Right. This is a huge step in forcing the NFL locker room to catch up. But I think we all, everyone connected to the sport has an obligation now to, to accelerate that process. And one way to accelerate it is don't make it a big deal. If you're in the media, don't ask the questions. There's no, there's no question to ask. There's nothing relevant to football about Carl Nassib at this point. And hopefully that's that's one factor in this. Yeah. That I, once we digest yeah. it and everyone issues their statement like they should, like Mark Davis did, like the commissioner did, like John Gruden did, and we'll get to that. But once we get past that point, let's just all live our lives and not worry about it. I, I mean, listen, that that's awesome. Fine and dandy. I'm all for that. I just I don't know if that's like going to be reality. I don't. I mean, this 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 is you know for what it's worth, it's still a, a a different type of workplace. Yeah, it's the machoist of the macho men, 
there is a there is homophobic talk and certainly you know homophobia in an NFL locker room to a degree. Now it's a lot less than now than it was you know back in the day, but some of that goes on. So that's where I think like the media is going to be you know a little bit like whoa, I'd like to know more about the psychology of how, what's going on here in the workplace. And where it's also different from other workplaces is, you know, you don't always get naked in front of your other workmates and do that type of stuff and just walk around, you know, freely they like get, that. They get naked in front of reporters. I, I know. Like, I'm I just mean, saying that's what makes no, it different. You difference. have to have no shame to be in that locker room. You're right. You make a good point, though. Yeah. You make a, here, here's the yeah. point. To the extent that it's important for reporters to – to shine a light on yes. any issues that may arise. Right. Then, okay, but let's wait and see if issues arise. Yeah. Because I, I, I look at it this way. The players just follow the lead of their coach. And the coach does whatever ownership allows the coach to do. I, it's like anything else that once an industry has its awakening. And, and again, this happened for corporate America years ago whether it's sexual harassment, whether it's how people who are different and protected by state, federal, and local law are treated, the things you can and can't say to them. Do you have hostility in the work environment that would support the person saying, I can't stay here anymore. Right. I can't do this. One of the most important episodes of The Office was the the uh, the episode where Oscar comes out? It it teaches us a lot about the way society has been and the way society should be. But I I think the obligation and the onus is on the teams and the coaches to make sure that to the extent any of that stuff still happened in the year twenty twenty one, considering as I said the exponential changes in society we've seen really over the last ten years, it it needs to stop. It just needs to stop. And and. It's on ultimately the coaches and also the team leaders to make sure that that you know that that just it just ends yeah. the attitude ends the joking ends the terms that Definitely. people don't realize exactly There's, right the, you know that that carry that connotation there yes. are common profane terms that get used all the time that carry a connotation yeah and until people realize it they don't stop doing it right like evolve everybody like yes you you have to you, we grew up in an era where right I mean. The word gay was thrown around. Oh, that's gay. But you learned that it right. was bad and you evolve and get better from that. You heard it. You learned it offended people. So, yeah, I might have said it when I was nine or ten, but then had like, you know, mom and dad go, Christopher, what the hell are you doing? Don't say that. It's offensive. And then you go, OK, wait, I'm hurting people's feelings. Let me adjust from that. Hopefully that can take place here in an NFL locker room. Uh, that, that, that's, and, and that's the that's the yeah, point. You've right. got you've got you've got guys who maybe didn't have yes, the mom and the dad exactly. around to tell them what they should and shouldn't do. And right. It's the football coach that tells them what they should and shouldn't do. It's their peers who tell them what they should and shouldn't say. And my point is this, to the extent that those attitudes still linger in men in their mid-late 20s or even into their 30s, the onus is on the teams to ferret that out, yep. to put an end to it. And, and, and it's, it's, it's not enough for the NFL – to kind of pat itself on the back that it's finally after all these years gotten to the point where a player felt sufficiently comfortable to be openly gay. I mean, frankly, they're the last ones in the pool yeah, or really, close to it. Definitely. Right. And I'd say right. pro sports, pro, it's not like there's a lot of professional sports, male professional sports where, where, you know, it's, it's 
open season on being openly gay. There's always been that negative connotation, whether it's basketball, baseball, hockey, or football. But there's an obligation that comes with the acknowledgement that Carl Nassib has has crossed a boundary that has never before been publicly crossed, other than with Michael Sam, who never made it onto a 53-man roster. So it's different with Carl Nassib. And, and I hope that the NFL and the teams will go back and really study what happened with Michael Sam um, and, and learn from it. And again, the question, it's always been he wasn't good enough. Yeah. But I, I still think that when we get to the bottom of the roster, right. y- y- you've got the distraction factor that can maybe weigh down one player 100%. and cause him to no longer be part of the team, get a chance to develop. Maybe if he would have had a chance to develop, he would have turned into a great player. We don't know. No, There's only so many jobs. So uh, it, it shouldn't be regarded as a distraction. It's up to the coaches to make sure it's a distraction. And Chris, one of the things I've said for years, kind of the light went on for me four or five years ago. Why do coaches care about distractions anyway? Everything you do on a football field happens in a crucible of distraction. You're trying to do this. The other guy's trying to do that. That's the biggest distraction you can ever have. Well, Someone yeah. who is physically opposing your effort to do what you're told to do. Why do we care about distractions for a football team? So I just think that for a variety of reasons, people need to kind of go back to square one understand what happened seven years ago, and hopefully the NFL has evolved. Or if it's not evolution, hopefully it'll be revolution. But we get to a point where it, it's, it's, it's no big deal. I mean, I want to fast forward to the point where when a player decides to come out as gay, it doesn't even register on anyone's radar screen. That's what I want to get to. And That's I hope right, it happens yeah. in my lifetime and hopefully as soon as possible. No, no, no doubt. That's where we need to get to. You're right. And we're not there. I mean, first off, the distraction thing, just to answer that. Well, I mean, there is some merit to that. Coaches don't want distractions because it's hard enough to play in between that, like lines and all that you're talking about with big people and thinking about what you got to do with all the distractions you're talking about. So they don't want anything like wavering or, or confusing them during the week that gets them off that wavelength or whatever. So that would be my answer to that. That's why it's at least a little, you know. I, I agree, I but agree I hear, with it for a real yeah, distraction. The problem right. is you can make things that Everything. shouldn't be distractions. You can just apply that label to yes. something you don't like. Yes. Right? Now, now if, if – if, if, I, I you know, you come up with all sorts of ridiculous examples no, of things you're right. that you a can coach make, wouldn't like. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, it's it, – it, it, okay, so it becomes a, a crutch, I think. Yes. It becomes a crutch for I just don't want this guy around. Yes. And, and we, we have to figure out how to get past that. No doubt. Now, to me, like everything you're saying, spot on. We got to get past that. And I, I mean, like me, me, Mike, I think right away I go to football right away. And then now to me, I want to go, all right, so I don't want this guy judged in the locker room for the man he is or anything like that. That's not fair. You know, this was courageous, but here's where I do worry about, like, the player and now how he's evaluated a little bit because of, like, what you're saying. Oh, it's kind of a distraction or whatever. But I don't want now the fact that he's openly gay and come out to that be held against him, you know, on the field. Oh, he turns down a block, right? Or Sorry, there's a pulling guard, and he maybe doesn't take it on aggressively enough, you know, are coaches, NFL personnel, people like that going to be able to just, you know, 
swipe that under the rug and just go, that was a man that didn't take on a block? Or are they going to go, well, he's a little, and like that? that's to me going to be a big part of this culture oh, change God. too. That, that's just, I know. That just, that just I'm just shows, telling you that's that how NFL underscores world works. the point how far behind yes. the rest of the world the NFL Definitely. world is. And you've Definitely. got the perspective. You've been there in the last 20 years. You yeah. know what it's like. You've heard the comments. You've lived it. So I, I defer to your expertise, but it, it's just disappointing. I just don't want them judged it's on to that. to that degree. Right. That in this day and age, a guy would be judged on his aggressiveness on the field based upon. Hey, that's just I, looks, I just, I sure looks hope, like Tarzan sure plays that. like Jane. You know, you say, say it. I'm just giving. These are all the yeah. things that are said in the NFL, you know, just constantly. So it is that it's that macho environment. And, you know, of course, it's been there for a long time. Some people have not learned, you know, or been taught or, you know, the right way or, or how to treat people. But also there's an ingrained old school mentality of coaches that are that are older than you in the NFL who, yeah. you know, just haven't opened up or evolved with the world quite that way. And th that's where I worry about a little bit, just as a guy who talks on TV on the outside looking in right now. But I've been there and and I know how these guys think in a lot of in a lot of cases. But that's why it's the obligation of the league and owners and executives to make sure the coaches know what is and isn't acceptable. Maybe even monitor. I know. Right? Yeah. But what are they saying? What are they doing? What's right. happening? I just think the obligation is greater than ever before to make sure that the locker room isn't a place where people are made to feel different, where people are made to feel like they are distractions just based upon who they are and it's depressing to think that that much work needs to be done but I guess it's good for us to shine a light on it because at a time when the NFL will be inclined to do a little bit of a victory lap that's gotten to the point where someone is sufficiently comfortable to declare that he's gay and that's fine and we go forward and everything should be okay we really do have these other issues that we hope the NFL locker room has evolved beyond. It's going to be a test. So, yeah. again, I, 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 I know how I think it should be, but now you have me concerned that maybe it won't be. And, well, you know, I, I look at, I look I'm, at Carl I'm next, Nassib's I'm next level history. sometimes, Mike, and I even think about his career and go, well, maybe that's why he's already been on two teams. He's a pretty good player. But, three, three, yeah, three Browns, I mean. Bucks, and Raiders. Right to, to, to me, that uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if yeah, that was part of the reason he didn't stay there that long. Those teams kind of figure it out. They go back to your old line. Ooh, I don't want to deal with the distraction. I don't want that in the locker room. Whatever. Hey, let's try to find somebody else. I, I mean, I, again, I'm just trying to be honest and opening up my my feelings and thoughts here. Well, uh, not that it's right I, or if wrong. If that kind of stuff's yeah. going on, if that kind of stuff's going on, yeah, it's. Our obligation, me and you and everyone who covers the sport, to try to help force the NFL yeah. into the 21st century and, and, and to get past the Neanderthal thinking, whether it, you know, I, whether it was the bullying stuff with Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin yeah. eight years ago and the things we learned about stuff that Richie Incognito allegedly slash actually did at a golf tournament to a female who was working the course. I mean, that kind of behavior, that old school 70s movie, you know, how the, 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 the football players acted when they got all drunk and crazy, right. that, that stuff 
just has to end. Done. Across the board. Yes. And it's not hard. You can still live your life. I mean, that's what this is all ultimately about. Live your life in a way that allows other people to live their lives, too. Respect who they are. They'll respect who you are. Yeah. And you can still live your life. And you can still find a way to have fun. And you can still find a way to do crazy things that don't infringe upon someone else's rights or feelings. It's not right. that hard to do. A hundred percent. And to add to that, Mike, like, you know, the reality is, you know, for, for those guys who have those weird, awkward feelings and things like that or, or not accepting of this, hey, there's probably someone gay on your team. You know, the reality is there's more than one in the NFL. Carl Nassib's not the only guy out there. So, you know, don't judge. You know, you know again, yeah, be accepting. Who knows? Maybe, maybe somebody in your position room that you like in the locker room is that. It is gay and hasn't is afraid to come out and those type of things. I mean, I always had the thought that there was, you know, one or two guys in every locker room I was in just to, you know, just the, the numbers game alone. And I think you have to be conscious of that if you're in any locker room in the NFL to realize that it is 2021, like you're saying. And there is a chance that you got one, two, maybe three gay guys in the locker room with you. And you should be aware of that to a degree. Well, and it's and well, they should be aware Where of the reality that there reality. may be someone I mean. there, yes, right? Right. Exactly. Not That's who what I it is, yes. But accept right. that, that that was another very valuable message that came from that office episode that I mentioned because Michael Scott didn't know how. Like he was when he found out that Oscar was gay, it threw him for a loop because like maybe I know other gay people. He had never even considered it, right? And, right. And so you know, in the locker room, yeah. But you know, the things you do, the things you say. You know, you may be offending people who are deciding to keep who they are to themselves. Exactly. And that's the other side of it, too. I, I I remember after Michael Sam and kind of while it was going on, there was this pressure, this sense that, you know, that people wanted NFL players who were gay to come out of the closet and say so that because that that helped push society forward. But ultimately, that's part of the choice you make. As, as to how you handle it, you are who you are. You choose to handle it the way that's right for you. And if you choose that however you are, whatever you are, if you choose to keep that private, that's your business. Yeah. So I, I remember the media wrestling with that. There's a certain element of it uh, that is you are who you are, and that should be fine. And then there is how you choose to handle it. And that's a strategic decision that everyone has to make. And uh, so, you know, I, I I remember that awkward time yeah, sure, sure. where there were people kind of pushing, well, someone else needs to do it. Now, somebody who's already on a team, who's on a 53-man roster, who isn't going to be cut, who who is so good that no one will ever say, well, we don't need the distraction. Because you know how it goes. For the star players, distract away. Yeah. Bring a rhinoceros to work every day. <laughs> right. I don't care. You could play. You're you know, awesome. Whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, ultimately people just need to be who they are and we need to respect it. And we also need to respect whatever choices they make as to whether they're going to share who they are with the rest of the world. And it's that simple. It really is that simple. You know, we, every once in a while, the issue of politics comes up on the show and I get accused of being all sorts of things. Fundamentally, I'm libertarian. I don't care. Leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. I respect you. You respect me. Let me live my life. You live your life. If we could all get to that point, so many of the things that divide us would no longer divide us because so much of our time is spent judging others and demeaning 
others and making them feel like they are different and therefore lesser than the rest of us. And we just had John Gruden's quote up there. Yeah. And look, I, I don't I'm just going to go ahead and say there's something about it that bothers me. His quote is what makes a man different is what makes him great. Why are you applying the label of different to Carl Nassib? That's part of the problem. You're different. Well, no, you're not different. You just are who you are. We all are who we are. We are the same. This is a, a, your sexuality is a minor detail of your life. You ultimately are a human being who deserves the same respect as everyone else. So it just makes me a little uncomfortable to see the label different applied right out of the gates to Carl Nassib. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being overly sensitive. But I don't like seeing the word different as we're trying to to get people to understand. Yeah. No one's different. We all are who yeah. we are. And we need to accept who we are. No one's different. We're unique. Yeah. Well, in our own way. Yeah. But 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 when you call one guy in the locker room different, that automatically sets him apart from the others. And I just don't I I'll you can say, say well, this. He's I don't think Gruden by coming think, out. Yeah, I don't think Gruden would do that intentionally, just to say that. I'll stick up well, for him all no, the way. But that's there. the point. But, but you're no, right. But no, I don't think he but, did it intentionally yeah, either, but right. that's the problem. What's yeah. the unconscious stuff that happens yeah. that is so baked in to the experience right. you don't even realize it? The Michael Scott reaction. That's my point. Well, yes, but I, I again, I just use my experience with Gruden. I think he's just like talking about, hey, this guy's different from this guy. This guy likes wearing sneakers. This guy wears loafers. This guy wears, you know, big boots to work, and this guy wears gold chains to work. You know, I, I mean, I think that's what he's talking about in different and what makes him great. I, but you're right. I, it could have been better language. I will say this. I would have preferred a different quote. I know. I, I hear you. But I, I would be shocked if Gruden, you know, again, is not accepting of this. He's got I, young, you know what I mean? I know I know you're not saying that. I'm just trying to yeah, throw that out yeah. there. You know, I, yeah. I, he's in the times. He's got I just think, younger I think, kids and those type of things. So he's, he's not clueless to the world. Different is an unfortunate yeah. word to use right. at a time when we should be striving for unequivocal, unconditional acceptance of everyone as who they are and we are all unique in our own way and i just think that the sooner we all respect that accept that in whatever workplace we're in locker room cockpit wherever you may be whenever you're in close quarters with someone else they are who they are you are who you are you show mutual respect you take care of business and you go home and you live your life the way that you are, whether it's choices or just the way you are. There are a, a variety of factors that make up who we are, and we just need to respect who each other is, and then they will respect, hopefully, who we are as well. Um, let's go ahead and do this. I, I, the, the other big story from yesterday, I, I, I want to make sure we, we give it enough time. Right. So instead of forcing it in here in the last few minutes of this segment, let's go ahead and take a break. And, and the big news, the landmark decision from the U.S. Supreme Court that will forever change college athletes and athletics and potentially have ripple effects in the NFL. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. 
The few, the proud, the Marines. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We had been expecting this for weeks, and this is usually how it goes for the U.S. Supreme Court. Their term ends in June. The rulings that have been pending are issued, and they come out a couple of weeks. And yesterday came the decision from the U.S. Supreme Court that the NCAA's business model is basically an antitrust violation. And here's how it goes. It's very simple. The NCAA is the group that oversees all of the universities that are out there that are competing by recruiting the best athletes to come play, typically basketball and football. Those are the big sports where the money is generated, so the stakes are high to get the best players. So by putting a rule in place through this governing body that all you can offer officially, not unofficially, but all you could officially offer is room, board, tuition, fees, and snacks. Right. It operates as a price fixing for your labor force. Of course. You don't have competition among these various universities as to who's going to get the best deal. Free enterprise goes out the window. It's gone. It's all set. It's all fixed. And it becomes a violation of the antitrust law. So, the opinion that came from Justice Gorsuch yesterday, 9-0 court, agreed that Boom. it's an antitrust violation. Did I say a lot to Brett you there? Brett Kavanaugh. Just off the bat, 9-0, well, like unanimous? I think there, are, there are plenty of 9-0 decisions because there's plenty of things that are obvious, but on something that's even remotely controversial in society, yeah, because there are plenty of people who think it's fine and dandy to not pay college athletes. When there's controversy in society and the court says 9-0, it's a message to anyone who's on the wrong side of it, hey, you're on the wrong side of it. And Justice Kavanaugh's concurring opinion was great. He took a flamethrower really to did. the model. Yeah. I mean, because it, it, the, 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 the argument from the NCAA is this, Chris. Our fans prefer our, our athletes to be amateurs. Well, first of all, do they? Does any fair-minded person no. who understands how much money is being generated by college sports say, you know what, I only enjoy this because I know the kids aren't getting paid? Who in the hell thinks that way? And who thinks that's realistic anyways? I mean, some of them are getting paid, and it's different and everything like that. But, yeah, I know. You're right. It makes no sense. It's absolutely, you know, totally backwards. It makes total no, no sense at all. So I'm with you there. Go ahead. Well, and, and, and here's the point. The case was very narrow. It was a fight over whether or not players who were being recruited by these universities could be offered educational benefits beyond the undergraduate experience right. and the room tuition board, like a laptop, like postgraduate 
credits toward future education, business schools, other or whatever, things, right, yeah. other enhanced education, because right. we always say, oh, you get an education. Well, OK, offer me more. Then right. get me in the, the law basic school undergraduate experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. G- give me give me give me advanced tuition to law school, med school, all these other things, different research help, whatever, Bo- you know, enhanced study guides that that aren't part of the basic package, whatever the case may be. Sure. The NCA said no, no. So that's what spawned this litigation. But the Kavanaugh opinion puts the NCA on notice that the floodgates are going to open, Chris, because I, I assume there will be a a wave of lawsuits filed as soon as today, if they weren't filed yesterday, attacking everything about the NCAA's restriction on full and free enterprise and competition. And let me tell you the most obvious thing, because there are several states as of next Thursday, July 1, that will allow college athletes in those states to begin generating revenue for their names, images, and likenesses. Florida, Texas, just two of them. And there's a concern that it's going to be the Wild West. It's going to be open season. It's going to be crazy, and there's potential abuses, whatever the case may be. But you know what? At the core, think about the rule. The NCAA, in order to avoid a long overdue reckoning arising from its refusal to pay fair value for the labor that it gets for these billion-dollar extracurricular activities— Beyond saying none of the schools are allowed to pay these kids, there's a rule to preserve amateur athletics that they can't even go out and market their own stuff. Can't do anything. The fame that I have. I can't can't sell jerseys with my name on it. I can't do autograph shows. I can't benefit, even though it doesn't cost you. NCAA University, right? I can't go out and make that money. Even though, preserve even this, though they're going to have a spring of amateur, yeah, right. Even though they're going to have a spring game or a scrimmage, right? You know, before the season starts, and they're going to charge fans to come in to watch that spring game or the scrimmage, and then they're going to make you as a player sit on a table after the game's over and sign a thousand autographs for those people to add to it. But you can't go out and get one dollar for that autograph from anybody else. Uh, uh, so sorry, I had to just go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you well, there, but that used but, to bother me to death when I was in college, uh, and especially for some of the other guys that didn't have the means I did or the parents I did, where I'd go, man, this kid's got nothing. He's sitting in a the line. There's 10,000 people. He's going to be here till 8 o'clock tonight, and they're going to give him a, a biscuit and a hamburger and say, good job, and he's going to get to go right. home. That's blown up. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the plunger was pushed down right. on the detonator yesterday. And even though the ruling was narrow, Justice Kavanaugh put the NCAA and its member institutions on notice that you have liability. And now you can't say, well, we didn't know. We wanted to see how this case would turn out. And, and that's never an excuse anyway. They interpreted the law incorrectly. Yeah. And, and this is the point that people need to understand. They have been interpreting it incorrectly for decades. They have believed that this is an acceptable business model. And Chris, it is stunning to me that it took this long for the issue to finally be brought to light. I mean, this is the ultimate good news, bad news. The good news is the law finally caught up with a corrupt business enterprise, which is the NCAA. The bad news is it took so long to do it. Right. And, And I remember thinking about 10 years ago, this isn't sustainable. People are starting to realize that, 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 that this isn't fair no. to the kids. There's too much money flowing in. It's not fair. 
they're going to have their reckoning someday. And I think the NCAA, Chris, has just been trying to run out the clock as long as it could, extend the clock, not run it out, but extend the clock as long as it could, make as much money, delay for as many budget cycles as possible, having to worry about how we pay these guys, and, and look, at, look at how long it's taken. And it's going to take even longer. They're going to continue to, to cram money into their pockets that otherwise would go to the players. And uh, hopefully the reckoning comes quickly. And when it does, hopefully as much money as possible gets shaken out of the trees. Because it's wrong now. It's always been wrong. And everyone knows going forward it is wrong. And hopefully they'll do something about it. And if they don't let the floodgates open on name, image, and likeness, that's the easiest piece of litigation. Your model is an antitrust violation. How can you justify not letting these kids go out and make money from their names, images, and likenesses when it costs you nothing. It, How can you justify yeah. that? It's insane. It's it's absolutely insane. It, it's really, I mean, you think about it, it's all, it's cruel in a lot of ways. It's a bunch of gr- grown-ups colluding to make sure young men, and you know, especially in the football world, most of them African-American young men who don't get compensated for what they do or their talents in life or anything like that. And I know, like, listen, there's always that guy that, yeah, okay, that went to the NFL and he ended up getting compensated and all that. But there's, for every one of those guys on a team, there's 10 other guys who were NFL caliber or, you know, something happened to where they got a bad injury, don't get to go to the NFL, or were really an awesome piece of piece or, or part of the college football team and sold thousands and hundreds of thousands of jerseys and all that. And they don't ever get to go to the NFL or capitalize. And I know they get that, you know, free education, which is not nearly uh, is, is, you know, what do I want to say? Tick for tack or whatever, the same equal to, to what, you know, they're giving back to the university. It's just wrong. And there's no cap on any of these people in the NCAA or the people that work at these schools. They continue to just make more money and benefit more and more every year. And try to hold the athlete down that way. It makes no sense. It's a total abuse. I mean, it's 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 actually cruel in a lot of ways. The more and more you think about it, about all the big time athletes that have been awesome in college football who never got fairly compensated for what they did for their schools or their conference or anything like that. Regardless of what category the player falls in, it's wrong. If you are the person who becomes the star player in the yeah, NFL you're right. that Doesn't makes change. money there, right. you should have been you should have been making money right. at college. If you're the guy who suffers the gruesome injury like Tyrone Prothrow from Alabama in 2005, he had the Theismann-esque injury that ended his career, he could have gone on and made a lot of money in the NFL. Part of the risk he took at Alabama resulted in his career ending. He doesn't get compensated. Or just the guy's who have no chance to play in the NFL, but of course are lured to the major college programs with this idea that, hey, maybe you can play in the NFL, NFL. come play here, maybe you go to the NFL. They're they're the guts of the machine. The stars don't get a chance to shine if you don't have the other guys on the field. They should be compensated too. And, and, And there's, you know, anytime you start getting the NCAA or those who support the NCAA inexplicably on this on the run, they start throwing furniture in your path oh how are we going to do this or what about the non-revenue sports well hey that's for you to figure out you you've made all this money over the years without paying your players maybe you should have saved some of it for the rainy day fund for the reckoning that's coming when you have to figure out how to make it all work when you have to actually pay these guys and chris something you said it reminded me of one of the passages in the kavanaugh concurring opinion and i think it's worth repeating here if i can find it here it is the bottom line 
is that the NCAA and its member colleges are suppressing the pay of student athletes who collectively generate billions of dollars in revenue for colleges every year. Those enormous sums of money flow to seemingly everyone except the student athletes. College presidents, athletic directors, coaches, conference commissioners, and NCAA executives take in six and seven figure salaries. Colleges build lavish new facilities. But the student athletes who generate the revenue, many of whom are African American and from lower income backgrounds, end up with little or nothing. That's that's it in a nutshell. And that has been the fundamental truth that the NCAA has been running from for at least the last 10 years. I mean, I, I can imagine the, the meetings pre-2000 where the people on the inside understood the scam they were running and they're sitting around smoking cigars and laughing because no one has figured it out. Can you believe we've done this? where we make all this money and we don't have to pay our workers? What factory in America can operate without paying its workers? They've been getting away with it in plain sight for decades, Chris. That's why the reckoning needs to come, and when it comes, it needs to be big. And you got people saying, it's going to ruin. There's not going to be any more college football. There'll be college football. As long as it's generating billions in revenue, there will be college football. It will survive. Now, where does it go, though? Just that's where I'm. I'm curious. Just like your take on that. How long does this all take to come into effect? When do schools and teams start to, you know, change the rules on their own a little bit? When does the Nick Saban start to go? I'm, I'm going to change. Here's your scholarship offer, and you're into the Alabama Business School. Blah blah blah. Like when? When will that? When will we start well, to see action? Oh, that, that's. I mean, can we do it as I, soon as possible? It's got to be on the table here? now. Yeah, right. It's, okay. It's just... got to be on the as as recruiting happens right now. You, if now the kid has to know to ask for it, right? And hopefully the word gets out to the athletes and their families that it's not just your undergraduate education. You can ask for more things, but but I, look, I think every day that passes where the NCAA doesn't completely reform its business model, and what the NCAA is hoping is that Congress gets involved. And creates a federal law that the NCAA can hide behind. Of course. Because yesterday's ruling to me says all this stuff is illegal. Any rule that you put in place to restrict the benefits, educational or financial, for someone that you want to come fuel your multi-million dollar football machine, any restriction you put in place is an antitrust violation. And that's why I think the first thing they should do today, name, image, and likeness, it's open season. And trust me, it's going to be a potential mess because what it does is it allows the schools who have the richest boosters to, you know, give a guy yeah. a, a position where, you, 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 you know, you're selling his jerseys and you're losing a bunch of money because you're paying him way more yeah, than right. what his jerseys are ever going to sell for. Right. But it's a way to funnel cash to him. There will be abuses. Definitely. But that's okay. Because the ultimate abuse is denying the kids the opportunity to make any money at all. That's the ultimate abuse. There's nothing that anyone else can do that's going to be worse than what the NCAA has done for the last hundred years. Yeah, agreed. And like you know, uh, you know, who cares if that booster or whatever decides to give a guy some job for signing autographs? And okay, yeah, he pays them thousand dollars, you know, a few thousand dollars in a summer to come intern and overpays them a lot. For a job that, yeah, he just sat at a desk and, you know, answered a few emails. But, okay, yeah, we paid him $10,000 in July and $10,000 in August before training. Who gives a damn? Like, come on. 
move on with the world. It's the way the world works, like you're talking about in every other industry. So you know, hopefully, uh, we'll start to see some of some of the benefits you know, of this new ruling. They they can start to make their recompense by giving Reggie Bush's Heisman back. Oh, that would be the bam, first tangible. You're right. You know, that's a good give, one. Give him his Heisman back. Right. Yeah. Um, because they get so caught up in these stupid ass rules that. Uh, and, and look, guys have been getting. Come on. Getting yeah. I mean, take everybody's Heisman years. away then. I mean, like almost like half of them got to go because there's been rules broken. Sorry. I mean, you know, the, the 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 two tickets that you would get as a player and you would sell to whoever for whatever sure. amount of money the person wants to put in your hand. That's been going on forever. Right. That's I'm sure they was, did that in Texas. Yes. They've done it everywhere. That's where my point was a few years ago when I made the comment about $100 handshakes and everything. It's going on everywhere. It doesn't matter. Like, stop. Like, just, you know, get get over it. It's going on at Harvard. It's going on at USC. It's going on at Texas. It's going on at Michigan. You can't stop it, okay? But now hey. we can maybe make it more legitimate and actually really help out players and their families and everything like that. You know where it's not going on? Yeah. You know where it's not happening? It's not happening in the NFL because everybody gets paid. See, when, when you pay the players a fair rate, no one else feels compelled yeah. to give them a dime. Right. They're being compensated. So the NCAA has benefited from this. It's been this like this weird, like they have to act like they care, but maybe they don't really care deep down because it's allowed them to continue to make all the money Definitely. and keep all the money right. and pay the coaches the multi-millions that they pay them. But that that's the, the, all, at the core of this, you know, anytime there's an issue like this, somebody's worried about their own ox being gored. And what's going to happen is it's going to be harder to justify all the money that goes to the athletic directors, the presidents, the, uh, the coaches. It's going to be a lot harder to justify the coaching staff. You know, everybody's making six figures on my 20-person staff. And look at these facilities. Look how great they are. And the, the money will get redistributed. But however it gets redistributed, it needs to be distributed to the people who are generating it. It's a basic fundamental truth. And I think yesterday's 9-0 ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court should put that issue to rest. Now, going forward, we figure out how best to do it. And the NCAA has every incentive to do it, Chris, because— they continue to face liability if they don't do it right. And maybe the right way to do it is just throw open the floodgates and let the schools offer whatever they think their budgets will will support to attract that great athlete who's going to come to town and help them win a national championship. No, I know. I mean, I'd love to see that. I would. I'm, I'm actually really interested to see kind of the unintended consequences if things did go that way too. Just what it would do to college football. Is it going to make like – you know, the power schools even more powerful? Will it make those top-earning schools dominate even more? Will the Clemsons, Alabamas, Ohio States of the world, because of this rule, even get a stronger hold on college football, Mike? I mean, that, that's where I'm kind of interested with all this stuff, too, right. the things to look forward to down the line. One last point. Yeah. Because the NFL does have limits on what players can do by way of entering into side deals, specifically as it relates to the spreading sportsbook industry, DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, et cetera, points bet. There's, there, 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 there are no such limitations. Unless Congress passes a law or these various states pass this law, you could have – 
even though the NFL athletes are forbidden from having sponsorship agreements with sports books, college athletes should be allowed to because any restriction on their ability to do so is an antitrust violation. And the only reason the NFL can do it is they have a union. Yeah. And as part of that union existence, they're allowed to have these antitrust violations. And I don't think college wants to have a union, but that's the only way they're going to be able to keep Pandora inside of her box, Chris. That's always tough. Because with, with, with the antitrust laws, it is open season, and it's going to be crazy. But you know what? One way or the other, the people who deserve to make some money are finally going to start making some money. Let's yeah. take a break. When we return, Tom Brady had an interesting comment that set social media aflame yesterday. We're going to break it down and try to figure out who he was talking about when he used a dirty word that will be broadcast later this week by HBO. More PFT Live right after this. I'm going to say it next segment. Just a little sliver of what will be coming up this week on The Shop, uninterrupted on HBO. And look, it was funny for Tom Brady to say that, but he he I don't think he ever jokes. I think for him, every joke flows from some fundamental truth. And he said what he said. There was a team that was interested, and at the very end, they weren't. And he thought, you're sticking with that bleepity bleep bleep. And so yesterday, everyone was trying to figure out who he was referring to, which team and which quarterback. And the leader, clearly, yes, is Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Clearly. Right. Because Tom Brady wanted to go play yes. for the 49ers. The, the team he rooted for growing up, he was at the catch game, if you haven't heard. We just talked about the catch game yesterday. He, he was there and witnessed Drew Pearson get tackled by Eric Wright to save the game. He wanted to play for the 49ers. They didn't want him. We put it out to a vote, and... The, the, the four finalists that I came up with were yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Mitchell Trubisky, and Drew Locke. Whoever voted, uh, who, whoever's, whoever's account that comes from voted for Drew Locke. Um, I, look, I, I never heard that he wanted to go to the Broncos or the Titans or even the Bears. The only teams I knew about that he was interested in were the 49ers and the Colts. Yeah. And the Colts didn't have a quarterback then. Well, no, I, they, I mean. They didn't have an MFer to stick with. No, you're right. There, there was nothing there. I mean, th that the obvious thought is definitely Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers, everything about that. Now, I will say, I think there was rumors out there at the time, and I think we talked about this a little bit about Tennessee a little bit, where that was in the conversation where we thought they maybe they were pursuing him and thinking about it a little. But, yeah, I have a hard time thinking he was think saying that about Tannehill, who had just come off a pretty good year, too. It Comeback player of the year right. and so, beat Tom Brady in his last game with the Patriots. Exactly. So that's where you come back to everything you said. And we know it came down to, you know, Tampa, San Francisco, and New England. I mean, that's what it was. And really, other than New England, it was that Tampa, Tampa San Francisco model. And everything we've known or heard anyways was, hey, that yeah, the 49ers said, hey, we're going to stick with Jimmy G. We just went to the Super Bowl. We're going to stick with him. So... Uh, that's the obvious thought there. There's no doubt about it. Now, I will say this. Do we know he's definitely talking about that right there? Do they? we sure that's not cut up in some sequence or something like that to make it well, like, you know, that's what I'm... If they, if, they, if they did that... It's very misleading. Then he should be upset. Yes. Because they created the impression. Yes, you're that right. That's what he was talking about. So then about. he probably... And did. I don't know what else he would have been talking about. Yeah. What else would he have been talking about? Yeah. 
Well, you're right. So then they, when it came down to not... the end and someone wasn't interested, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're th- right. That that's the clear implication that everyone has reached, and the only person who has articulated it otherwise is you, and you're acting on what Pete Demolitis texted yesterday. That are we sure this isn't something? Yeah, I'm just look, throwing I, it I out no there. No problem yeah. with being thorough, right? Because it does. It's edited clearly. They lifted something out. Yeah. But but it it would be the height of unfairness to Tom Brady, right? For that to have dealt with something completely unrelated to his free agency from last year. He he should be and he, and you know what? It was such a big deal yesterday. If it wasn't in reference to what we all thought it was, he should have said something. Yeah, yesterday. right. He would have. He would have. That's I so I mean that dispels that. I think we're we're on that this was definitely tangible and it was just a team he was interested in. And yeah, like for people that are out there, I, I want to go I hear the Bears and people saying that. I want to go like I, I don't know. I never heard any inkling that Tom Brady was even remotely interested in the Chicago Bears. What? All the questions about their offense and their offensive line and inability to run the ball and everything. You know, everybody's questioned that side of the ball in Chicago the last two years. I don't think that was the place he was looking at going, let me go there to the unproven, not really talented side of the football in Chicago and do that. No, that was never. So I don't. I don't think that Mitchell Trubisky is part of the conversation. I mean, it just seems like all signs are pointed towards Jimmy G. Um, and I don't know, maybe he won't get in, invited to the Kentucky Derby next year either. I, and, and some have argued, well, it was he was clearly joking around. He was trying to get a rise out of the other folks. He's trying to make for good TV. That's I'm, fine. Yeah. That's fine. But he still said it. Yeah, he right. still said it. Right. No, he still said you're it. right. You're right. So, you know, yes. Uh, so that's, that's it is what it is. But yes, I think everybody's going to continue to think that's Jimmy Garoppolo that he's referring to for sure. Hopefully, when the Buccaneers convene for training camp, someone in the press corps will remember to ask him, Tom, who is the MFR to whom you were referring? And we'll see what he has to say about that. Because surely he'll be asked about it. It it created such a stir yesterday and will continue to do so that it's not going to be forgotten by the next time he's in front of a camera or a microphone. Surely he'll be asked about it at some point, but uh, we'll see. And I doubt that he'll be candid about it, but uh, uh, he still needs to be asked the question. Um, and uh, it, it, it makes for interesting times as he continues his career going forward. As we continue the show going forward... The Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown continues with a different type of MFR. An MFR in a good way, we think. More PFT Live right after this. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.